On Education's ISTE coverage is brought to you by Teacher Gaming. Mike, we're giving away a one-year subscription to Teacher Gaming. So Teacher Gaming has like 30 games, tons of games. Uh, one year is probably just enough time to play all of them, hopefully. Yes. That, I mean, this is just ridiculous. To enter, all you simply need to do is tweet a pic of your favorite game of all time. It could be a board game, a video game, whatever it is. Catan. Yeah, Catan. To at Teacher Gaming and tag on Education Pod, tag us, and that's it. That's it. That's it. Even if you aren't the winner, though, this giveaway, you can still get a 30-day free trial, and all you need to do is go to TeacherGaming.com. You'd still be a winner to us. Yes, you are still a winner. It's been a great day. Uh, what's not great is the line for Starbucks. Welcome to our second day of special ISTE coverage here at On Education. I am Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an amazing pod for you today. Again, we'll cover everything that happened at ISTE on Monday and chat about Sunday night's keynotes. We'll recap the state of ISTE event and cap it off with our interview with Sean and Devin Young from Classcraft. Big day. Yes, very, very big day and fun day. So we're here at the hotel. So just in case you hear like people closing doors or elevators, or not elevators, yes, elevators. That's the word for that. <laughs> um, uh, this is where we are. We're recapping, and uh, and it's been a great day. Uh, what's not great is the line for Starbucks. So anyone who's listening that is Addisty, I'm I'm feeling your pain. It's been brutal. I yes. can't even imagine how hard how hard it is to get a coffee. <laughs> uh, Did it really need to be that painful? Coffee. A seven dollar coffee. You're gonna wait forty five uh, minutes. Now we're wait yes. for a seven dollar coffee. But I have a secret technique for you guys. This morning, our Uber driver dropped us off. We don't know where. Nope. But we got dropped off, and we ended up in a different part of the McCormick uh, Center, and it was basically you know empty. Uh, it, its own other building and it's basically across the street so if you go down the street level cross the street go on to the other side it's the mirror building uh north, the north, north side yeah and just kind of walk straight along go up the stairs or the escalator <laughs> and on your left side you will see starbucks there and there's no one there so you don't just get like really good education information from us <laughs> you get hot tips yes about where to get your coffee um if you are at ISTE, so uh, listen, you can thank us <laughs> with coffee if you want when yes. you see us. But yeah, if you go to the North Building, there's a um, there's a Starbucks that was virtually empty. And then we, it's funny because we got the Starbucks at that North Building Starbucks and we came down, went across the road and went in and up the escalators. And the line for our Starbucks was just ridiculous so anyways yes um but it, it does say actually something about um the size of this conference just crazy and, uh it's it's unbelievable and we were at the state of isti um, press event this morning um with richard uh who's in charge of of isti and um he told us that uh this is the largest uh, attended uh conference ever by far he said he said by far yeah yep. Uh, with five thousand uh, over five thousand session submissions, um, so I so guess if I got rejected for my session submission, I shouldn't feel too bad. There's five thousand of them that got uh, accepted there, um, which is insane. But I mean, it just felt right away from the morning. 
so much different than Sunday. Well, it was where, weird yesterday too, though. Like we, you yeah. could tell yesterday, yeah, that today was going to be psycho. Well, yesterday was a lot of people, but today was just it was uncomfortable. Insane. Yes, totally different. Yes, yes. There's people just crazy everywhere, and they even had the vendor lounge open or the vendor area, sorry, open today, and and it still was felt like you Bonkers. were you were just on top of it, each other. Um, yeah. So. What about the podcast? It's doing pretty good. So listen, guys. You guys are downloading our podcast at breakneck um, velocity. <laughs> We're recording here at 521 on Monday. And so there are multiple hours left in the the day as far as analytics go. But we're five times our previous record day already. Yeah, so we just shattered that one. <laughs> so we absolutely trashed our, our previous record. Uh, and we're still um, not done with today, and we're definitely also not necessarily done with like peak download time uh, for the day, which is usually around six or seven uh, or eight, and then sometimes in the middle of the night. So um, we can't thank you enough. Please keep sharing, um, yes. subscribing, rating, and reviewing. It all helps. But we we really I think I think this says that we're we're helping also kind of um get out the word and share information with people and uh hopefully we can keep doing that uh and it's been it's been really fun so far and we're just going to keep going uh we are very tired but um we're doing it very motivated (laughs) and so we got this yeah yeah so it's been fun um when we uh come back we will recap a bit of the day yesterday and uh, Glenn will take us through a bit of Sunday night's keynote that we didn't have time to talk about uh, yesterday. So stay tuned. On Education is brought to you by Audible. Mike, what have you been reading lately? And I suppose you're, you're kind of like me where you have quite a few books that you have on your list. I have too many books on my list. I have <laughs> probably about 40 audiobooks on my queue. And um, between listening to podcasts and audiobooks, uh, I am well stocked. Um, lots of cool books are on Audible, hundreds and thousands of titles, and you can get your own audiobook download for free uh, if you go to audibletrial.com slash oneducation. That's audibletrial.com slash oneducation, and you can get a free audiobook download. You should go do that, like, right now. All right, welcome back to the show. Uh, first thing in the morning, this morning, we had a chance to sit down and hear from uh, Joseph South and, and, and Richard and all of the executives at ISTE, and um, we had a really good chance to, to hear their thoughts on a bunch of things. I'm going to kind of go through some of the the, the big points uh, for people who aren't here, or, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people in the room, so, I mean, compared to how many people are at the conference. So some of this stuff um, needs to be shared. So one of the really cool, there's a couple really cool takeaways that I had from it. One was this idea of redefining digital citizenship. Um, they almost flat out said, we've been, I think we've been doing this wrong, uh, which was super interesting to just flat out say that, because, you know, they are, for all intents and purposes, the educational oversight kind of area or, or department for, for educational technology. Um, and, and 
this struck me when he said that digital citizenship should be a list of do's, not a list of don'ts. Uh, I thought that was a really cool phrase. The idea that, um, you know, to frame it in, in a positive in terms of action and emotion and, and, and stuff like that instead of, you know, don't give your your name to strangers and don't do this and don't do that. Um, framing it as a positive was probably a really cool takeaway yeah, from yeah. that. Yeah, and those were, I mean, what he was also saying is that that's great that we are are teaching those things, but we need to move beyond that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's just one uh, component of what digital citizenship should be. Absolutely. Uh, new rating and review system for apps and tools. So they're creating a whole system uh, for for apps and, and, and websites and, and tools and devices to get rated by experts. Um, teachers can ask questions and get answers, um, which, you know, shockingly isn't as easy as, as, it should, as it should be. And meaningful feedback about tools um, that is specific to educators. So none of this generic, you know, Amazon reviews and, and reviews in the App Store and stuff like that. This is how are you going to use it as a teacher? How are teachers going to be impacted by it? How are they going to use it? And 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 are you going to like it as a teacher or not? Um, I I use a lot. I can't remember the number. They, do you remember the number that like Joseph said? Eighty tools or something that a something school like has. that. Yeah, eighty different apps that are in a in a school are going on all at the same time. Which I, I honestly I didn't think that that was that big of a number. I thought it'd be even higher than that. Right. Just because there's so many different things, and I think they were saying it as a negative. You know, as far as like there's a bunch of stuff that we're using that's not that good mm-hmm. um but i but there was a lot i guess 80 is is quite a bit um though i mean we use a lot of different tools for a lot of different purposes yeah you know? but the idea that also that um unless you're in this unless you're doing it every day you're not an expert you need to go and get some trusted advice from someone and there's a lot of noise the the signal to noise ratio in terms of this stuff is 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 pretty low uh, or pretty high. I don't know yeah. how signal to noise ratio actually works. I guess, <laughs> <laughs> but but there's a lot of noise and not a lot of signal. That's how you say it. And so uh, hopefully this gives um, people who aren't living in this world every day a place to go and look and understand what's what's good and what will really work and get that information from people who actually teach. Yeah, and so what was interesting about that too, you, when you wrote that and I was listening to him uh, speak about this specifically, is I, one of my coworkers, Paul Schlangen. Hey, Paul, how's it going? He actually Hi, created Paul. a tool uh, that does this and he was doing it specifically for this purpose just basically to curate tools for teachers. So if you were looking for a presentation tool, what, what do those look like and how, much, how many stars the stars Paul give that tool. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So is it like on the low end of good presentation tools or is it on the high end like something you should really be using? Uh, and then he would give a little blurb about each one of them and he has hundreds of tools that he's curated in, on, in this uh, it's basically a, a his own little Amazon thing and he's done it with an Excel spreadsheet and you click a you know drop down menus super easy for the teacher to use on the user side uh, but you know on his side it's complex stuff but if, the, if they have this that if that's what this ends up being that's fantastic 100% yes. um, 
One of the cool things they mentioned, uh, in addition to the other stuff, is this idea that they're going to start to um, create some smaller events. ISTE's huge. The, the, the conference is huge um, and sprawling. And um, one of the things that they really mentioned was that the information that people get at, uh, at this conference is, is pretty surface. We've talked about that, I think, a little bit maybe off air, but I remember us talking about, and so they're going to, they're going to start to focus on, on these, maybe these other smaller events that they can put on that take deeper dives into specific things. Like, um, there's this no fear coding lab that they're going to happen, have happened in Detroit and a, a digital leadership summit that they, I think they said was going to happen in California. So there's these new events, smaller events that take deeper dives than a, an ISTE session can generally get you, um, which I mean, I think is valuable. It's important. Absolutely, yes, yes, and and it's tough for people to come to this event. We've yeah. talked about that for a multitude of reasons. But number one is expense. Price. But number two is uh, how much value are you, you getting out of uh, of being here? And hopefully, people are getting a lot of value. But these smaller events probably are specific to your interests, you know, in this case, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it might be. Exactly. Um, big news, the, probably the biggest news, or at least the biggest news, the way that they framed it, um, was um, just announced, uh, I believe today, uh, that they are, are releasing uh, what's called ISTEU, ISTEU, um, which is um, professional development. So, so ISTE is taking on the responsibility for deep, meaningful professional development on themselves, um, delivering courses um, that you can take. Um, it is powered by uh, the, the D2L platform. Um, personalized learning uh, is a course. Uh, there's I saw digital citizenship. There are 11 courses being offered. They start in and around July 15, 16, from what I looked, somewhere around mid-July. Um, and some of them are are kind of done in partnership with um, partners, brands, companies, whatever. Um, five partners for six of the courses they said, but there's eleven courses total. Um, I think this is awesome. I think this is rad for um, for 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 people who who want to get um, professional development from kind of a, a pretty trusted source. What I was should have asked the question when we had a question part at the end of the set, this entire session is, how much does it cost? And is, I'm supposing that because of the sponsorships, the cost is really low. Maybe a couple hundred bucks. That's too much. Is it too much? <laughs> yes, but I'm just saying like that, and, and so there's a barrier there. It depends upon how much that that actually costs for those specific courses, yeah. um, and whether or not they're accredited. Uh, so some some uh, of our contracts, you have to. Uh, get things from an accredited university, so it would be interesting to see how they've actually how they delve it out. And I think it's coming out of September or something like that, right? That's right. what they said. September in the fall. Well, no, the courses are being delivered in in mid July. They start in mid July. Mid July. Okay. So soon. So I mean, maybe we can get that answer for you. Um, yeah. Next uh, next next session. Um, the uh, last thing we're going to talk about is the ISTE Educator Certification. So I mean. Uh, companies and brands, uh, a lot of them have certifications, Google, Apple, Microsoft, you name it. There's you know Flipgrid, Ambassadors, Schoology Ambassadors, everyone has a, a certification program. Uh, but I, I feel like this one maybe is a little bit different. 
because again, I, I, I keep coming back to this idea that ISTE is kind of the source. It's, it's the overseeing body, for lack of better words, of educational technology. And so uh, you think, you would hope, I would hope that that carries some weight. Uh, it's going to be, they said it's going to be vendor neutral. Uh, you're going to be able to do whatever you do uh, to, to earn your certification in whatever way uh, is best for you. Uh, and, and whoever's assessing this is going to be capable of assessing it no matter what the platform or tools or whatever you use is. I, I can't see this being a bad thing. This is this is a good thing, too. So they're submitting portfolios, it says there? I mean, or, I guess so. Yeah. I, I don't know really. They didn't really take it. Like, they didn't really go into Say how, you, how you're going to go about right. getting ISTE certified. Yeah. Right. That should be an interesting process when we – it would be interesting for us to look into it and see what does it actually take to become – I would imagine it would be a rigorous process. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see, though. Yeah, so uh, let's go through the keynote from Sunday night. You 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 wrote notes. You went crazy on notes. I listened. You were writing notes. I, I appreciated that. So there's lots of notes. <laughs> and uh, and uh, let's, let's go through it. I, I, there are some super interesting things. It was great. Yes, so the Sunday night keynote was David Eagleman, and uh, he is a author, a professor, uh, a speaker, as it says here, an inventor. Um, he had a lot of expertise, especially on brain research. That's what I, I, I was really fascinated with, and um, he was just—he had a lot of really good points that I that I wrote down here, and some of the things for that were really close to home for me uh, was number one uh, the. Uh, a, inordinate amount of diagnosis of ADHD for our students that are coming of these these generations that are coming up um, and how he believes that there it is not ADHD right. and instead he actually was showing us basically the way that the brain their brain patterns are just happen to be different than than the way our brain patterns developed when we grew up um, and and that's because of technology. Um, he also talked about the benefits of video games and what they can teach us about engagement and learning. He did some descriptions, some specific examples about how they gamified content for medical students and how successful that actually was. Um, the one that I thought was interesting was this sandboxing concept. Did you did you see that, Mike? Right. I don't know. See that. But basically, what he was saying is, uh, if, if you don't know what is, you know, that's why I kind of like Minecraft or just those types of games or whatever it might be. But yeah. the, the concept of sandboxing would be that part of your class would be set around the, the, the thing of making sure that kids get to play around with whatever it is, the concepts. That, unstructured play. Uh, unstructured play, but also... Uh, playing around, like for example, a, a specific assignments, whatever it might be, but there's zero consequences to them yeah. experimenting, uh, and it, it's okay to fail. Basically, those kinds of things, and creating that type of atmosphere within your classroom, uh, which he referred to as sandboxing, playing with the ideas uh, with no consequences. So I, I really enjoyed that section too. Uh, any things that you? I mean, you were really fascinated with a bunch of his his. Uh, uh, super in-depth language, his words. Well, I mean, he he talked a lot about the science of the brain and how our brains are literally changing and, and our brains are different in terms of the way that the synapses are formed compared to, like, us compared to our parents and us compared to our kids. Mm -hmm. And these are formed based on our environment. And, you know, it's not, like you said, it's not ADHD, it's 
that their brains function differently. Yes. And so we, he got a really big applause from that too, because I mean, I think that I think that educators in particular have a really strong sense that ADHD is over diagnosed, especially people who work in 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 technology have a strong sense of this because of the nature of technology being very like fast and yes. moving and and you know this and then this and then this and then this and and um I don't know if you have it in the notes but this idea of on demand learning as opposed to um um previous methods of the way that kids um yeah. gathered information this idea that you know nowadays when you want to know something you go and you look it up instantly and you can almost always get an answer yes and we've never lived in an era of history where that was possible and so that idea that our our brains do not have to have the functionality to to have a slow burn discovery process because of the um, the way that we gather information and that leaves us room for other things it leaves us it's it's it, he framed it as an opportunity yes as opposed to a detriment exactly and that's the difference where you know you get the older people kids these days don't know how to think for themselves <laughs> or whatever right <laughs> and it's it's ridiculous you know because they're just they're using the tools they have to do the things that they want to do in the way that they know how to do them because that's the way that they live. Yes. And that's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. It's not going to go back. Like, we're not reverting. No. So let's learn how to live with it the way it is now. Yeah. Instead of just keep on complaining about... Well, and not even just complaining about it, because that is a lot of people complain, but basically he was saying that actually there's a lot of advantages to the way that they've actually developed their synapses and he called it cognitive flexibility and he was talking about and this also got a lot of applause that's super important for kids to practice creativity yeah. and that actually builds he was showing what happens when you play for example a violin or a piano or whatever it might be or even playing a video game that there's specific things that are being developed in your uh, neural pathways it just creates more of them and how it's going to be so important in our future economies for us to be more creative that's it he said creativity is going to be this at the center of all economics how uh creative ideas that you can come up with yeah. that a computer can't do and i i really loved his focus on that people were applauding for that and i i thought that was awesome the whole thing was great i i yes. loved the framing i loved that it was framed in in a positive light instead of this negative thing that that it's constantly framed in um I think that that's it. I think that we covered it all. It was really great. When we come back, we're going to talk to Sean and Devin Young from Classcraft. This is a great discussion. Uh, Stay tuned. Friends, On Podcast Media is getting set to launch not one, but two new podcasts this summer. And we're excited to tell you about the first one, On Politics. On Politics is hosted by politician, professor, and human rights lawyer, Craig Scott. On Politics will take deep dives into policy and politics. You definitely come away learning something every week. To stay up to date with On Politics, follow the show's Twitter account at OnPoliticsPod. All right, welcome back to the podcast. We are here with Class Crafts Sean and Devin Young. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. This is Thank you. this is Absolutely. rad. 
So uh, for our audience that's, you know, haven't ever been exposed to Classcraft or maybe don't any, know anything about gamification, any, anything, how would you describe your product to them? Yeah, so I think that Classcraft is uh, looking at engagement basically in school. You know a lot of products are helping with engagement and all this kind of stuff. We're really trying to um, address it at a systems level. And so if you think of there being an SIS in school where you put your grades and your attendance and that kind of stuff, and then you have an LMS where you kind of put in your homework and manage your classrooms, we're kind of a, the layer on top of that that manages engagement. That's and awesome. so we integrate with Google Classroom and Microsoft, and, um, and there's going to be other SISs down the line that kind of come in, or LMSs, I should say, that come into play. But the idea is that we, um, we really gamify the experience in, say, Google Classroom. So when you're handing homework, you're getting points, you're getting things handed on time, you're getting points. Um, and then we're also um, doing a lot of stuff on the behavioral level and with personalized learning within Classcraft. And then we have an API, and we partner with content partners like Discovery, Newzella, mm-hmm. uh, Breakout EDU, and then um, platforms as well. So you can start getting points. So we, we just announced today, actually, a partnership with LRNG, which is a, an organization in Chicago that does microcredentials and stuff, and they're um, a platform partner where they get points for doing things in LRNG back to Classcraft. That's amazing. And so, um, so really the idea is just to turn the whole school year into a game for students. And then use uh, gaming principles in the classroom that have been working in games for a really long time to make games engaging. But how do we sort of use that for school? So. That's awesome. Um, so I work specifically, I'm a ed tech coach with high school uh, teachers. Cool. And a lot of them are very hesitant. Anytime you've mentioned the word even game or, mm-hmm. or actually let's go backtrack to fun, <laughs> um, they like start backing away from anything that's related to that, especially like this. Like So we're talking about this product and... Uh, you know, they're hesitant to use maybe this kind of product with high school students or, or older students. What kind of feedback have you guys had from like customers, or what type of customer base do you usually have? Because some people are like, "Oh, this is an elementary kind of thing," you know, to uh, to be able to use only with elementary students. It's interesting that you should ask that, Glenn, because uh, this is for the listeners. This is Sean. Um, I was a educator for 10 years as a teacher of high school physics and I actually awesome. built Classcraft in my own classroom. Um, so <laughs> when we're saying, oh, it's for middle school, well, it was designed and built in a high school. Mm. Um, and uh, the reality is that there's no age for the like the, the psychological drives that foster motivation in, in video games. Things like you know empowerment, uh, competency, relatedness. These are things that drive an entire gaming industry and that's why games are so motivating and, and engaging. And really what we're doing is applying that psychology to uh, foster intrinsic motivation in learners. And that, that, that doesn't have an age group. Yeah. And so like, I think that the, the, you know, when we see like, which types of teachers are using Classcraft the most, it's, right now it's, there's a lot of middle school teachers. I think that's just, they're more open to it. Sure. Um, but it works just as effectively with older groups of kids. And I think that the, you know, I, one of my favorite anecdotes from that to like just paint that picture is like I, I had a student one morning, it was a Friday morning, he comes up to me, this student is like, you know, 280 pounds, he's 17, he's got like a bigger beard than I have, he's on the football team, he's like, Sean, I need five gold pieces today, <laughs> what do I have to do? I'm like, why? He's like, well, I've been saving up all week for my bear helmet and I really want it for the weekend. And like that stuff is 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 it's not. It's about play. It's not about yes. age. It's about our relatedness to play and how we can bring that into the school world. Yeah. 
And I, I wanted to make sure I asked that because a lot of times, right away, people deflect, you know, yeah. as far as when you bring those kinds of things up. The other question I had was, I know that, and I'm not sure how new it is, but I, uh, I know that uh, Steve Isaacs has shown me a couple things and Matthew Farber, uh, who I'm big fans of, have shown me things about, you guys have some quest-based learning kind of uh, embedding, uh, I don't know how to say it, like threads or routes or whatever might be branching. And so we're big fans of like Dr. Haskell, uh, Chris Haskell and quest-based learning. And how have you guys incorporated that aspect into Classcraft? Yeah, I think that ultimately, like, um, and, and sort of to riff off of um, what Sean was saying is that we really believe that the teacher is kind of their own mini entrepreneur in the classroom, and they should be able to, you know, set it up the way that they want to. And so, Classcraft really is a set of tools. It's like a toolbox of gaming that you can apply to the classroom. That's and so, cool. when you think about how does that apply to curriculum, which was kind of the, the conversation internally, it, it, it's quests. Like that, that's it has to become sort of this choose your own adventure sort of experience and so what we're doing really is it's quest is a personalized learning authoring tool right so teachers can create their own personalized learning tracks it starts differentiating based on a student's level of mastery and they can take their existing lessons that they've got and then just sort of bring them into the quest engine and then start mapping the the lessons together what's cool for us is that we start taking narrative and wrapping it around that's awesome. right and yes. so so then, like uh, a grade, you know, six, you know, math module, isn't like here's some stuff and we're gonna go through it. It's this is the new quest that starts this week. You got into this valley and now there's this castle and there's these people that are like locked up in this dungeon. And the way that you do that is you do algebra. <laughs> and and so, so then you kind of go through the algebra and you hand in this stuff and, and you're getting points for handing things like on time or whatever. And then the teacher decides, did they master it or not? Yes or no? And then based on the yes or no, a different door will open. So if you if you got it, you go to the advanced thing, and you, you're you know racing through the mountains with the prisoners, and you're escaping the bad guys. And if you didn't, then you're in the woods recruiting bandits. And so it kind of changes the story. What's interesting is that in games, there's this concept called the fog of war, and so you don't yeah. see anything other than what you've kind of been uh, able to see within um, you know eyesight. And so we use that from the student side. So from the teacher side, there's this map with all these different things, sure. but the student is only seeing what they've unlocked, and so there's no stigma about yes. like, I'm on the remedial path, and now I gotta do all this extra homework, and it feels terrible. It's, no, my story brought me into the woods, and there's bandits, like, yes. okay, cool, what happens next? Let's keep going, you uh -huh, know? Uh -huh. And so I think, That's yeah, awesome. addressing motivation on a bunch of different levels, like all the storytelling stuff is really, key and we're really keen to go deeper into that this year and I think that that's why we binge watch TV shows, that's why we play games on our phones, that's why, and that's what school should feel like, it's like I want to keep going, 100%. I want to keep going I want to keep going yes. so. if, so, I, if I just may add to that, yeah. one of the things that we've just, and we're announcing it right now for ISTE, we just launched a quest marketplace, so teachers are creating these quest lines, these storylines, this curriculum it's all standard aligned and they can push it now to uh, this like Netflix type of experience oh, in Classcraft, wow. so you can discover and search other teachers' quests nice. and build so, them into your thing, yeah, yeah. You, can, you can bring them in, you can change them, <laughs> remix them and then republish them, so it's a very like collaborative like approach to like it's basically the world's first, you know, open education gamified curriculum 
you know storehouse platform. Yeah. Um, and we just we, we we ran really fast to be able to launch it for ISTE, and we've just launched it in the last few days. And there's already 200 quests that have been submitted by teachers. So we have Steve Isaacs, who was like, we do a quest of the month, and so he was the first one, and we drew him into the platform. Yeah, he so now has a class yeah, like drawn into, into class. <laughs> We're talk about that. So so actually, speaking of quests, I someone told me once. Uh, so I'm a, I, I played WoW through like all of my college life. Same. Nice. Yeah. Like, okay, so so I had heard that you guys were big WoW guys. So so I wanted to ask about World of Warcraft because it seems like there's a lot of connection. Like when you look at Classcraft, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. So not only do I want to talk about how WoW influenced how this is built, um, but also what maybe other... So you talked about Fog of War, and I almost wanted to jump and say like uh, Civilization yeah, is a yeah. classic Fog of War game, right? But yeah. also the like these... Um, these um, 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 Warhammer um, yeah, games and Starcraft, right? Yeah. Classic Fog of War <clears throat> games where that's built in. Um, what other games maybe influence? So talk about WoW because I want to talk about right. WoW, but also talk about how maybe some other games influence some of us too. I was the WoW guy, so I'll I'll talk about that piece. <laughs> um, the and so I, I went through college playing WoW sure. as well, and uh, you know I. Burning Crusade, that's when I started. Right. When it took over my life. Right? <laughs> um, but but one of the things that's really powerful in a game like WoW and, and other MMORPGs, but WoW's really good at it, is it really forces you to collaborate. Like when you're going through an instance in WoW, yeah. everybody has a job. And you got to do your job. Yeah. And so you've got your, you know, your tank class, which is like the warrior. You've got your your DPS class, which is the mage, and then you've got your support class, which is the healer. And that's really like those that that like triangle of like interdependency between students. Well, and in Classcraft, it's between students, and in Warcraft, yeah. it's between players. Really it. creates like the best collaboration you've ever seen. Right. Mm-hmm. You're taking orders. You're giving orders. You know what your job is. And if at any point one of the like players falls in like your instance run is over right and so like you you're really codependent in terms of success and when we build classcraft the idea was like let's let's like build real meaningful collaboration Mm -hmm. in the classroom let's make these students interdependent with with their different character types and you know in classcraft there's this idea like when you fall in battle like it affects your whole team that's the equivalent of like wiping in a raid in world of warcraft right and so like the 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 team mechanics in those games are just incredible Mm -hmm. Um, you know, since then we've gone on to like, you know, look at Devin's done a ton of research on like other games and, and like interfaces and all kinds of stuff. Maybe you want to talk about those. Uh, I think that like you pick up pieces from everything, right? Like I, I, I spend like three years, I think. I don't know how much money I spent <laughs> on mobile games, but like, I'm like, and I'm like, like just how's it working? What's the thing? Figure it out. Get it. okay. Next thing. And I think that. Um, we're uh, we're doing a questathon event tomorrow with some guests Perfect. and stuff, yeah, and definitely talk about that. Um, and so, unfortunately, it's sold out. But uh, one of the people that we're bringing out is this uh, author called Yukai Chu, and he wrote a, a book on what what's called the uh, Octalysis Framework, and it's basically he's analyzed a ton of video games and he's figured out what are the drivers for engagement and all this kind of stuff, and he divides them into white hat and, and black hat and like how certain things will stress you out in a game but ultimately burn you out after a while or not. And so that's kind of informed our game design at this point where it's like it's a lot of we're choosing white hat stuff which takes longer to sort of get into and that kind of stuff but uh, creates persistent engagement basically and because we're making something that like it's a game that you play over the school year. Yeah. Right? Like it's not you're not going to do this for two hours and put it down and whatever and then you're like living in this game so it better like feel good and so um, so anyway so there's a lot of stuff around that and I think that like 
some of those core mechanics that you're talking about, Sean, in terms of like you know collaboration and all that kind of stuff. Like when you when you get deeper into it and you start like we get asked every week to pit students against each other so they can fight. PvP we, is like a, we say yes. no every week, yeah. and it's because like if there's a leaderboard, then the person at the top who's winning is feeling awesome, and the person at the bottom is yes. Yeah. And that's the, that's the person who needs the most help. Yeah, you're and trying to keep it you're as squishing them under this thing. Right, yeah. And it's like, right. what are we doing? And so for us, it's like, well, the other side is, comp- is collaboration. And so if we create teams where there's strong and weak people and everybody's, we, we have boss battles where you like try to beat the boss and mm-hmm. the whole class is trying to overcome a common obstacle. obstacle. That's a different experience yes. than fighting each other. And so, so anyways, a lot of those game mechanics sort of come that's from awesome. just doing a bunch of research and trying to understand what's working or not. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So big question is always, uh, how much does Classcraft cost? So the, okay, so <laughs> Classcraft has a, has a bunch of features. It's, yep. it's, you know, now it's become like an ecosystem. The, the behavior management part for teachers is free. So they, they can just go and create a free account and use that. And, yeah. they, you know, they can level up their students, give them points for whatever they want. Okay. Um, the full premium features on the teacher side is $96 a year. And that unlocks, like, the quests and, like, a ton of gear, like, a whole bunch of other features. And, and then the school pricing uh, varies with – becomes a per-student price at that yeah. point because, mm-hmm. like – we have a school product. Like we're talking yeah, a lot about talk the about. we're talking a lot about the like teacher product here of like what's the classroom experience, what's the engagement experience for students. But like we're we're we've worked in education. What we want to do is build value for all the stakeholders. So for kids, it's like school becomes fun and meaningful. For teachers, it's like I get to manage my classroom in, in, in a streamlined way that is really great. For parents, it's they can be part of the game. They can get points at home. Um, so I get informed, but I get to be part of what's going on at school. But for administrators, what we're doing is aggregating the, the behavioral data that's coming in Classcraft. So like this student was empathetic and got 100 points, or this student handed in their homework on time. And building all of that up into a school climate index. And so we're actually able to measure school climate in real time using that's the game right. data. Wow. And so, That's so important. Too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. And, and like, and, and in today's like reality of like school violence and like you know so all these like lessons. social emotional learning, all these like different initiatives that we want to do to like we need data. Mm-hmm. And, and administrators don't have that data. The behavioral data they have is like it's you know true. referrals, it's suspensions, it's anecdotal. It's anecdotal. Or it's it's like the it's the ten percent kids. What about ninety percent of those other kids? Like how are they doing? And yes. Classcraft allows us to like report that to, to schools and then that's so that's a per student cost at that level. Okay. That that's awesome. I was just thinking about that district level where an admin can't be in every classroom all at once. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what you guys are doing. Yeah. Is if you if you had this school wide, you're collecting all this data constantly and being able to to then, you know, gauge your professional development Who, what yeah. do you actually need to be focusing on where are kids at what are they actually doing exactly yes. yeah super awesome um, and then how can our audience learn more about Classcraft we're at booth 970 come and see us okay. uh, we're, <laughs> that's easy we're <laughs> yeah. at the EdTech Karaoke we're sponsoring tomorrow come and see us um, we have a website classcraft.com you can definitely go there we're on Twitter at Classcraft Game uh, Sean is underscore Sean Young underscore and I'm Young Devin um, and yeah, I think that we're we're we have a blog. We're releasing all kinds of content about this stuff on a regular basis. We're doing webinars every month. Uh, like we're incredibly engaged in terms of just. Um, I think that there, there's the work that we're doing as Classcraft, and then there's also just like a very fundamental belief in games and education, and it being like 
we grow up playing with each other. That's how we learn, guys. Our brains are hardwired for this yep. stuff. It is how like school's going to evolve if it's us or someone else. And we just really think that like more and more when you think about the, the future that our kids are going to live in, we don't understand what it is. We don't understand what the job market looks like with AI and genetics and you know nanotechnology and you name it. And so it's we've got to use these tools now. Like we've got to prep kids for what's coming because it's going to be really different. So. Anyways, we're pretty passionate about it. Awesome. awesome. That was a great, awesome great guys. interview. Thank you, guys. You guys yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Nice. On Education is an on-podcast media production. My name is Mike Washburn. My co-host is Glenn Irvin. You can get in touch with us or ask us questions to answer on air by visiting our website, oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Glenn is at Irv Spanish on Twitter. I can be found on Twitter at Mr. Washburn. Our sound engineer is Jake Codeweiss. He's on Twitter at JK Radio. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be honored if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Schoology, for supporting us. Check out Schoology.com to learn how they can help you advance what's possible. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome. See you soon.